Hi, and welcome to the second episode of the Idle Hands podcast, where we hope to discuss and learn more about creative process. I'm Dan Higginson, a Kent-based creative, and I'm joined today by the accent aficionado, Paul Bentz. How are you tonight, Paul? I'm not bad, Dan. How are you, babe? It's been a week since we last spoke. I can't quite get over that. It's like uh, I closed my eyes, went to bed, and it's Thursday again. I know. That's, that's what having kids does to you, right? Absolutely. Oh, my word. What a week, eh? How you been? You all right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's, it's been a week of trying to develop some HP5 that I've had in the fridge for like the last three months and just try and catch up on things here and there. How about you? What have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to this week? So I've, I've been shooting a little bit more for my project this week. Um, I've had a bit of shockwave therapy in the foot. That is painful. Don't recommend it, but um, it's another story for another time. Um <laughs> Done a bit of childcare, watch Wales beat Scotland in the rugby, which was always enjoyable. Can't can't lie. Um and I've danced. I've danced quite a bit, Daniel. Danced in the in the kitchen. You've been dancing. Tried, in the shake, kitchen. tried to shake off these um glum February blues. And your and your and your weird feet that you've got. <laughs> yeah, my weird feet dancing what, with one foot. What no, have you been dancing not, to? Um well, believe it or not. I'm trying to get the kids into a bit of Van Morrison this week. So we've been listening to a lot of TB Sheets. I love that song. It's like, I'm not going to do an impression of it, but it's a wonderful, if anybody's never listened to that song, it's, it's, a, it's a thoroughly amazing piece of music. It's like, it's got soul, you know, it's like, oh, love it. I guess the important thing is, is it rubbing off on the kids? Uh, are they actually getting yeah. into it or are they just sick of the dad music being played? Well, it's been kind of intermixed with a bit of Frozen and a bit of Moana. So they get a bit, I get a bit. You, right, everybody's okay. happy, Dad. So you get you to know? listen to Moana and they get to listen to Van Morrison. Exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm a big folk music lover myself. If I was going to pick a genre of music that I, I love, I think folk. Would you believe I was a folk music lover, Dan? Do you know what? I wouldn't. <laughs> there you go. I, do you a, know, I, I was going to guess kind of early 90s indie rock <laughs> come on man i was thinking like sonic youth okay okay i was, I was, I was thinking dinosaur junior oh yeah i do like dinosaur junior i do like dinosaur junior yeah me too, me um, too. but i i've always um i think i love the poetry of folk music i love the thought i love a story in a song i suppose that's the thing about stories that we keep keeps percolating through everything <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I quite like a, a song with a narrative as well. Have you ever heard of Bambara? I haven't, no, no. They're a little bit like um, The Birthday Party, uh, Nick Cave's band, right? There's, 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 there's definite um, inspiration from, from there and there, but all their songs are really, really narrative, and I, I, I really like that. I had a good idea as well, Dan, while, while we were just chatting. I have the, sometimes they come to me, maybe we should make a playlist to take photos to. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I, I've got two or three playlists that I really enjoy, so um, okay. I'm happy to share them. Um, so today's main topic, we're going to be talking about um, whether or not projects are important. Um, it's a bit of a loaded question, I think, because as you could probably tell by the fact that we're choosing to speak to this topic that both of us are, are quite into projects although I've, I've got to confess i've never really considered any of the work i've done to be part of a project i've sort of spent my whole life winging it um and everything i've done really has been standalone so mm. i'm actually quite keen to talk to you about projects 
Yeah, I'm, 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 again, I think it's a, it's a wonderful topic. I think, you know, you, you, I suppose you start in photography as like most people do and you, your eye sort of wanders onto everything that you come across, flowers, dogs, family and all of that rubbish, you know. And then eventually, um, over time, you, you either, you become passionate about it and you, you become technically proficient. Um, and then, you know, the, the next step is the, um, the golden project. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really enjoy other people's work when it's in a collection, when it's been thought out and it's got a bit more context and nuance to it. And I don't really know why I've never done anything like that with my own work. I, I really do want to start working with more intention, longer form. So projects, 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 Daniel. Um, First question, right? Because when I said to Tanya that we were talking about projects today and then I told her that I don't really consider anything I've ever done as part of a project, she immediately looked at me with a very puzzled look and started to ask me lots of questions about what she, what I thought I had been doing. I very quickly worked out why I was getting the puzzled looks and it's because we didn't actually we didn't have the same definition of a project. So that's probably the first question, right? What is a project? What is a project? So um, I read a lovely quote somewhere and it said, a single image is a word and a project is a sentence. I like that. I, it's a simple way of thinking about it, I think, in in, in a way. And maybe, maybe you know, you... you I was I was speaking to one of my friends who's a photographer today, and I was saying well, this is what we we're going to talk about this evening, and um, we were saying that projects as a whole are they don't you don't have to be very I think this very specific to begin with I, like there's there's lots of trains of thought you know you can you can go out with um, the greatest intent in the world, but whether you're going to actually photograph that. Thing is 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 you know a difficult thing to get sometimes but but i think what what a project is is a collection of photographs that tell a story fundamentally um and, and you know i've read when you when you do a bit of research into the subject you know the projects yeah you know, and the single image there's a lot of there's a lot of chat about um which is which one is better and x y and z but i don't think i don't think it's an either or sort of answer anyway i think both are equally important right? yeah and i think you know it's a group of single images that that are telling a story right it's 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 they 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 might be connected by place or by time or by you know there's lots of different reasons why they, these photos are connected together um and for me i mean when i started shooting uh street photography 10 years ago i mean the only thing it could really be about is like the, a geographical place, so you you know you shoot. I was shot a lot in uh, South London, a place called Tooting, um, and I I I worked really hard for I don't know five six maybe even longer than that seven or eight years in this space. I'd go back there for an hour or two, you know, three or four times a week. It was a project because you know I I it felt like a project. I was regularly going. I was focused, showed commitment to it. Um, and I think those are two important things. You know, it, it helps. I think you know. Say you're interested in documentary style portraiture. Yeah. Um, not only can it be hard to find subjects to photograph, but unless you've got a, a focused project underway, it can be hard to incentivize yourself to make the extra effort needed to get a good photo. 
No, it's all too easy to be lazy, I think, with um, photography and take a half-hearted approach, hoping that the photos will come to you rather than going out of your way to organise and create and capture a good shot. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Like, it gives you something, it gives you a motivation to go and do it. I I know myself, um, my my definition of a project when I really thought about it came out a little bit more academic than your quite poetic version of it. <laughs> so where I came to was it's a collection of work all based around a central theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bit that me and Tanya, I guess, didn't necessarily initially agree on, although I think she's kind of won me round, does your project need to start with intention? Well, this is an interesting subject, I think. So look at it this way. So let's let's say um, you're... Like, for, for me, when I started shooting the River Wandle, so basically the River Wandle is a river that runs from where I live in Wandsworth to Croydon. So, and that was it. That was my only That was my only idea. I knew I wanted to photograph landscape and people. So I, I knew that, but I didn't know anything else other than that when I started shooting it. And I started November 2019. It was cold. It was wet. It was miserable. It wasn't very pretty. I mean, I was really the first... The first six, eight months, I really struggled, I, but I still kept going. I still kept walking every day. I still kept shooting. Um, Did you intend it to be a project from the start? Yeah, I, I wanted it. I, I intentionally wanted it to be a shift away from the street photography that I'd been shooting for the last 10 years or so. I think that was definitely one of the intentions. So, so you intended, before you even took the first frame, you intended for that to be the project? The, yes. That- the trail, the River Wandle? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was that was my first. So I, I had a I had a, a geographical beginning point and end point. And you know, rivers are you know the, like they signify a lot of things. They symbols lots of different things. But I thought, and I, you know, lots of other photographers worldwide have done rivers. Um, but it was something that was, I suppose, a was because my my schedule is pretty hectic with two young kids. It was local. It was something I could go to and do regularly. I knew I knew that um, I could cycle it. I'd take my bike sometimes, and I can. I know um, that it's, it's it's a really interesting like working river, and I I think you know it's it's not many people know about it, and and it's got a lot of history connected to it. I was reading today that uh, Rudyard Kipling. Uh, has written about it, and and so it's got it's got a bit of history. You know, William Morris has got a place on it, but but I didn't, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff when I started. I didn't know any of the history of the river. I was like a blank canvas, um, and I did a course with Lewis Bush. He does, um, he's a photographer. No, he is a photographer, but he's also a lecturer. I can't remember the college. Anyway, I did a course on storytelling with him, uh, and he said when you're doing the project, it's really important to collect stuff. And I didn't really know what he meant by stuff. Like, but now I kind of know, I think, after being doing it for two years. And stuff is, you know, you can collect physical objects that maybe you come across along the way. You're, you're researching the history of the river. You know, I've, I've just lots of different bits that add up to when you come to pull the, bo- the book together at the end. You've got all of this content and all of this stuff that will hopefully help weave your narrative. And one of the things I wanted to say was, so I, I shot it for about, I've been shooting it for about two years. I'm still going, maybe another six months to a year on it. I'm going to shoot it. But so when I, so I shot it all last year and then I maybe had a pause um, around, I don't know, end of, Sept- end of September. And I began to look at the work I'd shot. And all of a sudden, like the little narrative, so all of the portraits that I'd shot, I shot about 200 and 
50 over the course of the two years. And the ones that kind of um, gravitated with me the most were the ones with people smiling. And I found that quite interesting because, you know... Last week's conversation, you were saying you're drawn to kindness and... Yeah, exactly. And I think... When I didn't, I didn't know that at the beginning of the project, the kindness hadn't even been mentioned. You know, it, it wasn't, and I think the project has morphed as as I'm shooting it and as I'm editing it. But that's that's the fun thing is that, like, yes, you can, and it's almost like this feedback loop as well. Because now I know that I'm looking for kindness. When I go out, I'm looking for kindness. I'm looking for kind light. I'm looking for kind looking people. I'm looking for kind looking you know, lots of different things, which which kind of feeds back into what I'm doing, which will hopefully in the next year make it even a bit stronger because now I've got intent, I've got a geographical logic, uh, location and I know what I'm doing. So, and it's commitment as well. It's commitment to doing it. Like once you set to you, say to yourself, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And then you don't, you don't kind of wander off that. You don't go and, you know, one day do your project and the next day go and shoot some street and the next day go and shoot some, something else. I think there's a commitment to once you start it, I'm, I become a bit obsessive. I think I become, I go down that rabbit hole and this time I've been a lot better at showing it to photographer friends and I found more people who are a bit more respected in the industry and I think that's that's fed into it being stronger you know I think this I was I said like before I was a little bit frightened of feedback but I think I've grown with this project and, and this is the first you know I, I I think I've shown you the street when I did um which I've not put out um yeah I saw that and you know it's like I could have and I, I I was so close to pulling the trigger on that and I will one day that it'll it'll come it'll come out at some point but I think you know when it's like your, your first album, you want it to be a good one, right? And and I think I, I said to you last week, I'd I never felt that that work was kind of who I was as a person, and so I felt ever slow, slightly uncomfortable about it being it's who I. But a I bit changed you know, it for you. Yeah, yeah, and I, but I think you know maybe it was who I was at that moment in time, in a way, and that as you develop and evolve, you know, your work changes as it should. I think I want to come back to this concept of a, an album and you said you want your first album to be a good one i'm still kind of wrapped up at the beginning of this and really trying to iron out in my own mind what a project is mm -hmm. so we've been talking about intention so if we think about an album for a second if i recorded 10 unrelated songs at different times and then decided that that was going to be an album and i pulled it all together is that a project yeah that's still I, a project I, I, I think it is if, if 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 it's cohesive right this is the thing isn't it it's like it's it's uh, anybody can call a project a project and and it's the definition and the term is wide and varied and you can you know I, I think it, you just by looking on the internet at different photo projects that lots of photographers have done some do zines some do books some do 10-year odysseys you know it, it's the length of the project and the time and the commitment you put into it only you can decide that and on, on, you know, how good the work you think is as you're shooting it, you know, is the content. And, and all of these, all of these ah, sort of decisions that you, you have to make along the way, because photography is quite a lonely pursuit, sometimes it's quite difficult to, to decipher what's good and what isn't. And that's why I think having a trusted group of lieutenants, you know, that you can drop into a phone and say, boys, have a look at this for me, tell me if it's shit or not, um, really matters. And, and I, I think projects as a whole, 
are really important for your development as a storyteller because they're they come, you know, that the sequencing of images is a difficult thing to to do. I'm still learning that art. It's and it's a definite skill, you know. Um, yeah, I, I do. I do think you develop you develop because you're practicing. You know, you constantly. You know, I think you're failing a lot. It's it's the thing is, you know, I don't know what the hit rate is, but I don't think my hit rate is fantastic. But there's fun in the failure, you know. I think failure is part yeah, of, of it, you know. And you so you're you're constantly making mistakes. You know, you might going back and then so revisiting the same place over and over uh, and, and showing that passage of time I think is quite interesting too um, and you know constantly learning just listening and reading and uh, practice 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 you know I think the more the more the more you're doing it the, the better you get and I, I, I really believe that I think it's definitely a you know I know I know some photographers they go out and spend like eight hours five times a week even longer than that I, I, I'm definitely not that type of person I can't I can't stick but I eight think hours most of us have got time to do that you know I'm more I like I can go maybe spend three or four hours and and then not even look at the photos for a couple of weeks really I just leave them um just sit there because I think your response changes over that time. I think it's really good just to leave them sit and wait. Yeah, I, I really like what you were saying earlier on about you've got a trusted group of people around you that you can show your work sort of while it's still in progress. You're not sharing with the whole world on Instagram. You're mm-hmm. you're working to a very specific audience who you're looking for for their honest opinion that is enough to give you the motivation. You're not out looking for motivation from the whole big wide world. You're not sort of very loudly announcing what you're doing. You're you're just quietly plugging away at something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where the motivation comes from for you. I, I, I quite like that. I quite like that. I think those 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 people that and it takes it takes a while to figure out who those people are because you know I have I have friends who who kind of maybe wouldn't understand the work, you know, the difficult photos, some of them. Um, and like that idea of a difficult photo, right, is that sometimes it's not aesthetically pleasing, and but it, it works within the the narrative. It, so it, it kind of, and I think sticking with those difficult photos, the ones that maybe not everybody's going to like and having the the... The courage is maybe a good word there to to push through with them, you know, because it's it's again it's 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 coming back to this point that it's your project and it's your point of view, and you're not going to please everybody, but but pleasing yourself is a good place to start. I think you shared a really interesting video with me earlier in the week. Uh, it was Alex Soth. Um, what was it called? It was called uh, Project Time Real Time or something like that. St- Story Time Real Time. Yes, yes, and that was really interesting because. He was talking about, um, he was talking through some photo books that have two photos that were taken really, really close together. So they're kind of two pieces of art that are so nearly identical that you have to study them. And and I found that really interesting. It would never have occurred to me. To, yeah, to me share. too. Me too. It was like a real, though I had been thinking about it. Like I had, I hadn't think, thought about it that way, but I was, I was, like over the course of doing this project, the idea of something repeating itself over time and how that changes, you know, it was something that I, that I, I think is a real good, um, it's a tool, it's a real good skill to be able to weave that, yeah. maybe not in a hole, in in its hole, but in maybe, you know, you could do it in small bits 
of it. You were talking about it last week, weren't you? You were saying about there's a there's a statue of a Greek god or something near you, and you said you've been photographing it for years in various states of repair and. Yes, yeah, and, it, and it's interesting. Yeah, it's really, I really, like it's, like it started, it was covered in completely in plastic and ripped with, tied with gaffer tape, and then the gaffer tape kind of came off, and then it was just black plastic, and then the black plastic came away, and it was just clear plastic, and then the clear plastic's fallen down now, and you can actually see the god's head. Then he got covered in snow, and then he got covered in rain, and it, yeah, it's just that, you know, it's that. It's always slightly obscured by something. Yeah, and it's, that sounds I just, like a project in itself. I mean, we've just established that you're allowed <laughs> to literally go back through your archives, and as long as you can pin a theme on something, you can have those ten individual unrelated songs that you pull together into an album afterwards. And I guess the same is true for any art form, as long as you can find that central theme. Yeah, so I was listening to uh, a talk on Steidel this week with Mitch Epstein, and he made a book, I think, recently, or in the last couple of years, I think it's called Sunshine Hotel. And in the video, he said, basically, when he was pulling the photos together, he um, picked up 500, he printed out 500 of his favourite photos, threw them in the air, and he chose the best 50 just by random. Like, and there's, there's you know, you, 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 I kind of love the ballsiness of that. I love the, like... You know, if you look at the photos and and the sequencing, it's like it's a it's a bit of a wonderful thing. I mean, the photos, all of them are good, right? So, you know, there's like you're pulling from a a pot of good stuff. But he said he didn't sequence it; he just threw them in the air. You know, just picked them out random. This is the photo, that one, that one, that one, that one. So they started and, life. They they were all on the same thing to start with. Well, I think so. I think so. I think they were all sort of it's, it's sort of all Americana. You know, it's all sort of. Sort of, I don't know what type of hotels you call them, um, Art Deco kind of, right. you know, worn out hotels, 60s, 70s America. It's really beautiful stuff. And I wrote, a, I was just trying to see if I can find the quote I wrote down. I wanted to, and this is Mitch Epstein. He said, I love the malleability of photographs and how they do change by virtue of the context they're situated in. Um, he said, this is what I have to share and I might not understand it myself. And I kind of, I think there is a bit of that, isn't there? There's a bit of this mystery, right, with how to pull a body of work together. And it's not straightforward. It's not like anybody can put a bunch of photographs together and call it a project. To really pull it together, to really make it something that means something and has some value, I think you've got to put thought into every process, every step of the process along the way. Um, And by that, I don't mean that you have to have intent right from the beginning. I think you, like I said, you know, Alex Soth does it. People just pick a location and then on a map and off they go and they'll photograph that place and what they come across. The location becomes the project. Yeah, and it can become as simple as that or, you know, a path or um, it could be anything. I I, I think to to give the the project some strength and some meaning it, it can't just be a bunch of photographs that you've thrown together. I don't, I don't, I don't think. I think you know it, it takes a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of thinking, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of sort of looking inward. I think, which is really important. How, you know, what like again, it comes back to what we said last week about values and and what what do you value as a person? And if you if you write down your values on a piece of paper, and then you try and go out and photograph those things, I think that's. That's quite interesting in itself, but it, it, it's a complex, it's a complex, difficult process. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't suggest for a minute that I that I am the master of them by any stretch of the imagination. I'm on the journey, 
uh, of still this kind of... And this is why I love photography, because there's all this the stuff that I don't know, like, and, you know, it's like this bottomless cave, really, that once you dip your toe in, it's just keeps coming, like, more information, more information, and and I, that's that's the bit I love, like, yeah. the, the bit that, you know... I, I think it's worth pointing out. I mean, I, I know that we're now sort of... At this point, we're probably one and a half episodes in, and we haven't already said this, and it isn't something that we're just going to say over and over and over again, because it kind of goes without saying, but... Neither of us are experts. There's a big caveat here. We are two guys exploring some ideas and hoping to get something out of it ourselves. We probably know about as much as you do. We're just chatting to each other about it and you're listening in. So if you have got any other views on on what we're talking about, we would love to hear them because we're, we're just trying to work it out for ourselves. Help us help you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I, I've got I've I've basically nicknamed Dan the Professor. Um, you know, he's he's going to be like the oracle of of all information. And anytime anytime I forget something, I'll go, Dan, do you remember? And he'll go, Yeah, it was nineteen ninety eight. It's a cold evening. Listen, just... you are barking right up the wrong tree, Paul, because <laughs> I can barely remember when my birthday is. The other week, I'm not even joking. I turned around to Tanya and I spoke about something about my age, and I added two years. I added two years onto my own life. I don't even know how old I am, Paul. So yeah, if you're after me being the guy that's going to tell you everything, then uh, I, I don't want to let you down. But you know, I'm not the guy. Yeah. So I think in in that I was going to I was I was going to you know that old Alex Soth video and he he talks about um, I think it's John Gossage, the Shimmering of Light. Those books. Did you see it? Do you remember that? I, bit? I watched the whole video, but again, like you're you're showing me right up. Um, I, 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 I remember all the images. I couldn't remember anybody's name. I, 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 again, John Gossage. John Gossage, and and I, this is a, this is a John Gossage quote because, like, I I I wrote notes when I watched the video. Get me, Dan. Uh, he said, "I absolutely have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm totally sure of it." And that's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I can really empathise with that. That, me that too, speaks me to too. me on an atomic level. I just, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. It's it's that's what it is. Like it's this you're in this state of confusion, you know. This like, and you're you're just trying to figure your way out of the darkness. And where's the light? Oh, there it is. A crack there. Is that? And I I I think that's what projects. That's what you know. It's all about, really. It's it's it's, it's I think projects about trying to get to know yourself better. If like on a on a meaningful deep level, like you're you're trying to understand the world for sure, but. You're also trying to understand yourself a bit, and that's why picking something that you're interested in and that you're passionate about will obviously shine through in the work that you do. Um, it might be worth us at this point because it feels like we're kind of stepping into a new bit of the topic here, which is how do you choose a project? And again, I've I, I don't really consider myself to have ever really started a project let alone finish one I, like i said earlier i've been winging it for my whole life so this is something that i kind of need to think about as well uh, how to choose a project uh, you, you mentioned earlier on that a lot of your project is that the projects that you've worked on are kind of informed by those values that you were talking about last week and really understanding what's important to you is, is there anything besides that that you think should inform what project you choose to to undertake um, I think it's, it comes down to 
who you are as a person, what you're passionate about. And I think this idea of passion is a really good one because if you're not passionate about it, eventually I think it'll just fizzle out. And, you know, just to say that I, I when I started this River Wandle project, I wasn't passionate about the River Wandle. I didn't know anything about the River Wandle, but I did know somewhere deep inside me, if I followed this path from A to B to C, that eventually uh, a story would begin to show itself to me and then I could refine it. And and it's like a, a sort of um, a carpenter with some wood and he's refining this into a lovely chest of drawers. And I feel it's a bit like that. You're kind of taking bits off and adding bits. And it's it's a process. It's a process of finding out who you are, who what what the world that you see and, and why you see it that way. And, and that's a wonderful thing because it's, it's such a thing of like... It's a revelation once you begin to chip away, and you're yeah. You're I, f- I feel like a real. I've had a moments of finding David in the middle of the marble, right? Yes, I've had loads of moments of real joy. This, and I've had moments, you know, when when I've been in deep in despair, going, "Oh my God, what am I doing?" But I think this when it's when I feel like it's been working and it, it's sort of coming together. Um, I just it just feels like my God. You've taken your time, but it feels like it's, it's worth it. You know, I think... Like you're and, scratching and an itch. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I know it's not for everybody, and I know people will say, you know, the single images are are important, and I, that, there's a lot of noise on the internet about that. I just think you just got to go past that. It's not It's not an either-or Put a flag in that, Paul, because I, I do want to come back to the single images in a minute, but just to sort of carry on for a second with the topic of how how you're choosing a project the only one thing i can really offer is to shoot what you know shoot uh, paul said earlier shoot what you're passionate about there will be things that you know that, that that intersect with your passion for photography or your passion for painting or your passion for sculpting or architecture or something but you will probably have other in- interests as well and there won't be many other people that work in your medium that share those two specific interests and that's what makes you unique so yeah shoot shoot what you know or yeah i've got an assistant dan that i work with um occasionally and i was having a chat with him uh, a while back now but i also what you have access to as well you've got a unique set of access as an individual that nobody else has you know people that other people don't know and i think it's mining your your contact sometimes and having a look at the people you know and then you know, I, I think I do a lot of work um, for a, a charity called the Homeless World Cup. We basically go off to a different country every year before pandemic, once a year, and we, we shoot the tournament for about, it can be a week or 10 days. And, and all, this is football, right? Yeah, this is football. Soccer yeah, exactly. for our American friends. So so explain what this is. This is... This is so Homeless World Cup, Homeless World Cup is uh, basically all the players are from all over the world, many different countries. They're all, one, the key component is they're all homeless, basically. So there's different football federations set up all in different countries all, all over the world. Um, homeless football federations, not like the Premiership and stuff like that, but homeless football federations. And they, all the players will be from these local federations, but... It's like a, the Homeless World Cup has got a program of support, which it, it doesn't just, you know, bring the, the, the 
footballers to come and play football at the Homeless World Cup and then leave them. Most of the players the following years will become referees or they might be learned camera skills or they might learn medical skills. So you'll see like previous players come back following years who are referees and it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. It's such a, you go at the beginning of the week and you see all these guys and they're all, you know, it's a range of ages as well from like 18 to 60, you know, they're not just young, young players. Um, and you see the, them at the beginning of the week and everybody's a bit nervous, you know, and, and a bit shy. But by the end of it, it is such a transformation. I, I, I get emotional talking about it because it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. It is. It's a really, it's a really, it's something that I really love. Like I haven't done it for two years because of pandemic. They had to cancel last year and this year. So I'm hoping they'll be doing it next year. But um, fingers crossed. Think, fingers crossed. Yeah. That's really cool. That is really cool. So where where did you go last year for that? So it was in Cardiff, believe it or not, and my home. And Michael <laughs> Sheen, you know, he uh, he basically put all the money into to make it happen. He was an amazing man, just really supported it. Like went out of his way because it's kind of all you know. It's a charity. So it's all the money they generate during yeah. the tournament kind of goes to support the whole foundation. And it's basically run by a guy called Mel, and he uh, owns the big issue, basically. Oh, and that's, okay. So that's that's how it's connected. Do you think at some point this will become a project for you? Yeah. Well, interestingly, you should say that I because I've shot it for about five years, and I bought myself a NAS, and I've now been able to put all the photos together. And and yeah, I think I'm going to make a zine out of it, for just and try and sell it and make money for the homeless World Cup. I'm going to do that as a little, you know, yeah. side project. That's incredibly cool. But again, that that comes like you know that maybe I always knew it was going to be a project, but but I didn't, you know. And I think it's committing; it's the commitment you have to make. I think you can't, you won't get anywhere if you don't commit to something. I think, and that's like you you can't half commit. I think that's the key as well. Like you've got to fully give yourself to it, and and that that sometimes is really difficult. It, it takes a lot. I think projects take a lot of thinking. Um, if you, you know, want it to be decent, do you know the thing I'm thinking about right now is. I think I've maybe started a couple of projects, but only very recently. Um, I know that they're not done yet, but how how do you know when when it's done? If if it isn't a specific thing like following a river from from source to back to what yeah. the body of water is going to, if if it's something that um, could technically go on forever, right? It maybe it's yeah. this homeless World Cup. Uh, how, how do you know when the project's actually finished and it's ready to go out? You don't. <laughs> no, that I think there's a couple of things. I think you. I think you know. It's like I, I think it's an in. Oh, I, I say you know. I, I take that back. Actually, I'll caveat that by saying again. It's going back to these trusted lieutenants and and getting some feedback. And and the thing is, like my wife says, you know, just because just because you've asked them doesn't have to believe what they say. And I think that's right to in in some extent. You've got to take the all the information that people are giving you. Right. Their opinions, weigh, they're not facts. Yeah. Actually weigh weigh them up and say, okay, yeah, actually I think you're right there. You know? And sometimes I, I don't agree with everybody everything everybody says. Um and I think that that's like like I have many arguments with my wife in the process of Finding images and she like she like I love you, Ali. But she sometimes just doesn't understand. She's very smart, but she, like it's it's try and and I think the, my goal. This is the goal. You see, please the wife, please the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
she's a real tough audience. I think she's a really harsh critic. I think you but need I think... that from a loved one. I, I think you really <laughs> need that from a loved one. I, I was just thinking about this the other day. It, it, Tanya is often, she, she is one of my strongest critics. Like she will, if she thinks something shit, she will tell me. And I, I think yeah. you need that in your life. What you don't want is, you don't want people around you that will just, yes, that's pretty good. Like, and just sing your praises because that's not going to help you grow. You don't want an Instagram life, do you? No, not at all. You don't want people just liking it and saying, great stuff, mate. Wonderful work. Hot photo. Oh my God, what camera do you use? Yeah, what you really need is a Paul Bentz to send you a message and go, what you should have done is crop that photo like that. And you need to have that, oh crap moment. He's right. He's right. I, you know, I, I, there was one specific image. I think you did that to me. And I looked at it the second you said, I looked at it, I was like, damn it. He's right. <laughs> I think the greatest, the greatest skill and the hardest thing is sometimes it's really hard. Like I, I sometimes don't want to go out and take pictures. Like there'll be days when it's raining outside and I'm like, there's no way I'm going out today. But I do, I do go like, I'll force myself. I will like, because I, I get, I get that enjoyment, even with my bad foot and I can't walk, I'm still going out. And I think that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you hurting the feet. Yeah, yeah, you still, I think it, it's, it, it comes, you know, it comes back to this idea of you only get out what you put in, this kind of, you, you, if it, you can see it in the work, you know, you can, I think you, it's very easy to, it's not easy, but it, it's very um, simple to look at a lot of work and tell from looking at it, which is the photographers have put the time and the effort into not just the shooting of the work, but the designing of the book, the, the sequencing of the images, the type of paper, the marketing, the how they've got it to, you know, the, like, do you self-publish? Do you go, do you go try and get a publisher? You know, how, I don't want to be left with hundreds of copies of my book. You know, there's that, that, there is that panic and that fear. There's no doubt. Like, you know, is anybody going to buy it? Like, that's like, I might have lovely doorstops for all the house for a, a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Be like that bit in Alan Partridge where he's off to get his book pulped. <laughs> yes. So I've got a friend, I'm not going to mention his name, but he, he basically had 7,000 copies of his book, right? That he had left over and he had to keep them in storage for three years and it cost him 14,000 pounds and then he had to basically pulp them. So it basically, he, sold, he had 10,000 books, sold 3,000 and basically lost 17 grand. I, I don't want to end up like that. That's kind of, you know, I think, I think he printed too many. I don't know why he wanted 10,000. Yeah, it's an aggressive number. But fair play, fair play to that photographer for for really committing to yes, yeah, to the marketing I, I, of their, their their work. Uh, that probably that that is actually a really good thing to mention. Is at the point that you've completed your project, and again, we're, we're apologies, we're talking a lot about photography here, and it's because the the two of us are primarily photographers. But this this applies to any kind of work where you're going to release a project, whether it be uh, a record, a photo album a collection of artwork, whatever it is, do a little bit of market research and understand what your project wants to be. If it wants to be a vinyl, how many people do you think will buy your vinyl? And it doesn't have to be an exact number. Remember, you can always print more. There's a there's a kind of, there's a bulk discount that you get, but you don't necessarily have to take that bulk discount if you don't think you're going to sell the 10,000 photo books. Have you got any advice on that? I know this is something you're starting to look at yourself. And again, big caveat, myself and Paul aren't experts on this. So this probably 
Well, I think there's, 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 a couple of, there's a couple of routes you can take. So there's, this, there's obviously the self-publishing route, which, I mean, I think if you go that route, there's, there's lots of different ways. There's Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and there's lots of platforms out there that exist. Um, and I think it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of, it's really, I don't think it's something you could, should consider lightly. I've, I've heard other photographers tell, tell me how painful that is. You know, it's a real big commitment because you've, you've got to post everything out yourself. You know, it's not just printing it. It's, it's actually postage. And, and your own publicity I, as well. I think yeah, you kind I, of need to have a following already to do something like that. You can't totally, make a name for yourself as you're doing it. You have to have already made a name for yourself, I think. Yes, and I and I think it's really difficult, isn't it? It's like because it's it's such a competitive. I mean, this this photo books being made every day, right? They're, you're in a crowded marketplace. It's not you're in a niche crowded marketplace as well, if you know what I mean. It's a yeah. And so, I think this is why not being too quick to get your work out there and 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 making sure that you've really thought about. And I think talking about it to your friends as well. I think that's important. I didn't mention that earlier, but the more you talk about the project the more comfortable you feel about it. So, well, you know, it, it's like the more I talk to you about it, the more I talk to my other photographer friends, now the narrative in my mind is becoming solidified and it's easier when I'm talking about it, when I'm talking about individual photographs and how they connect together and what, what it all means. That part of the process is really is really useful. It's like, because it's forming your opinion of the work and moulding it. And it's like this malleable sort of um, blue tack that you're just changing shape as as you go. And the more you talk about the project and the more you speak to people and, and you tell them this is what I'm doing and this is what it means, then it kind of, it does, it solidifies, right? It, so it becomes this much more solid thing. I'm with <laughs> yeah. you, I'm with you, I'm with you. I, I know that I'm working, I, I, I'm going to say it now, and I... Get it out, Dan. I, Get it I, out, mate. And I, I may just very well cut this straight out in the edit because I don't know if it's something I really want to publicize because it's I kind of want to keep it kind of close to my chest for now. But I am working on a project at the moment, or at least I was before this lockdown, of working my way around everybody I grew up around. So the people that kind of had an impact on my life, the people that have been in my life for a decade or more. Um, I'm shooting it all on film. Um, they're all getting shot with the Hasselblad, all Portra 400. But I'm also having a long-form conversation with people. I know a little bit about sound engineering, and I've been recording several-hour conversations with these people before I take the portrait. I don't know what this project wants to be yet, because I've got audio, I've got photos, I might just sort of write out bits of our conversation and have that accompany the photos it might be a website where you get to hear the audio and maybe look at the, the best one or two photos of that person. I, I honestly have no idea what this project wants to be. <clears throat> I, I think I think you want to simplify it to start with. I think you want to. I think you actually don't really want to know what it is at the beginning. I think I think obviously you've got intent there, so you're basically the idea is of re-examining your the people who means something to you or you've known for a long period in your lifetime. And I, and I think that the more you do that, and hopefully as lockdown opens up, you'll be able to go and shoot more of it. When you sit back and look at the photos, they should, they, they should be a natural connection. Those images will say to you, 
hey, Daniel, this is, this is like, it's about you. This is about who you are as a person. That will be reflected back in the images that you're taking, you know? And, and I think it's sometimes really easy to get caught up in the idea of the complexities of a project and how it needs to be this complex thing when it doesn't, right? It can be a simple idea that's executed really well. And I don't think, and it's examining your childhood and your past in a way that, you know, and then you can, then, you know, it's interesting. You can, you can go lots of different ways. You can go back mm. through family photos and go through all old photos that you have. Maybe yeah, it's got, crossed my mind. You know, and then try and put a young one with an old one or, you know, there's, lo- there's lots of ways you can go about it. But I think... I'm not being constrained at the moment. And I think it's really Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's what I was going to say. Don't constrain yourself. Be really free. Keep to shooting it on the Hasselblad. Keep to shooting it on the old Portra 400. There's your consistency. So there's your, your solid thing that doesn't change. Try and, when you're shooting the portraits, try and shoot them all the same way, I think. You know, if they're in environmental portraits try and have maybe where you're placing the person in the frame some maybe have the way the light is coming in through a window something that can you know link it's, the images it's, it's together the, the thing is is i'm not doing it in a studio and I'm, I'm doing it in people's homes and I, I think the thing that spurred me on to do this is that um there's been a few people around me that have lost people very close to them i really felt like it sounds really morbid but but we we don't we're not here forever some of the people that I'm going to be shooting, they're, they're not very mobile. So I, I don't think I'm going to have the luxury of, of of getting a very consistent look. But I don't think that's really important because that's not actually what I'm trying to say with this project. What I'm trying to say is I'm trying to capture that person as everybody that really knows them, remembers them. And that for me, I think, is the most important thing. So I'm not really looking for consistency. I think some of them are probably going to have to be artificially lit. Some of them won't. But I think the key here is the expression. I I want people to look at these photos and go, you know, if I shot Paul Bentz, I want people to to look at that and feel like they know Paul Bentz. Yeah, I think I think that's a wonderful. I I already want to see it, Daniel. I'm excited. Uh, I I I'm upset that lockdown slowed you down. Yeah, I know. Me too. I me too. There's not a lot to see right now, but I, I've got an idea in my head. As I get more work, maybe I'll share with a select few of you. If you are interested in keeping up to speed with that, let me know. Maybe I'll start some super secret Instagram account where you can follow along with my work. But it's not something I'm going to be sharing publicly. I, and that is something I do know for sure, is I'm, I'm not going to be sending this out to the masses. And, Nobody is and going that's, to see that's this. An interesting, that's an interesting thing to talk about, you know, about, uh, when you show your work, how, how do you show your work? what stage are you you exposing it to the outside world and and there's again there's lots of trains of thought on this some photographers don't show any work until the project is finished some photographers drip feed their project as they're shooting it through instagram i i i'm probably with the latter there but but i i also am holding back more as i get older i think there's some there's definitely some benefit from the mystery and not having everything on the dead Instagram of doom. Do, do you know what it is for me? And it, it it probably doesn't even touch on any of the things you've just mentioned. For me, the issue is that I don't want to be led by other people. What I don't want to do is I don't want to show people something that is based on my perception of an individual and then have somebody that is effectively a stranger to that person then turn around and go, I don't like what you did there. Because it doesn't matter opinions, though, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, right? It doesn't, but nobody's opinion is actually important to me. If if somebody that knew 
that person turned around and said, "What? What? That what? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's reverse. Nobody's opinion is important to me. What about mine? I'm slightly <laughs> upset." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> no, the, the the great big wide world. Where, where again, we're sort of we're touching on a topic here of the pitfalls of social media and the way you even talk about social media. I don't want to show the great big wide world. This isn't work. I'm going to share publicly let's just call it publicly i'm happy to share it amongst a handful of select individuals but i if i start sharing it publicly and joe blogs that has never met me that has never met the person the subject in this photo that is quite close to me then turns around and says i don't like what you did here i i don't want that opinion i'm well aware that i'm capable of ignoring that opinion but i also don't feel like i even need to put the work out this project for me is something that will we were just talking about how do you know when you finished a project for me this is a very clear one it will be finished when i get to the bottom of the list of names that i've written down on a piece of paper yeah yeah totally and and i i i and like you say you know what what is the project i don't know what it is but i think you do know what it is right it's it's about people who are close to you that that could like photographs of memories, right? They're memories of a person, and and to get a, a a meaningful photograph of somebody that you've loved or or loved in your life, and then and then, you know, I think that's a wonderful thing. I I wish I photographed my parents more, um, and I definitely as as I'm getting older, my my parents are getting older. It's something that I really want to. When I definitely go home, because I've been back to Wales for nearly a year. Uh, my dad is seventy five. My mum's seventy two. So I, I, I really want something. I want to do. I want to go and get some really lovely portraits of them. Just, just for me, for no, for nobody else. Right. But, but I think because of that reason, that so I can have this memory, you know, of them, you know, and that's that's all it is, right? It's it's, it's memories. I think and you've it, just it's... touched on something there. That I think really gets to the crux of what i'm saying here this this isn't work for other people this is work for me when i say i don't know what this project wants to be i think but, but, paul's just cleared this up for me really well I, I i know exactly what this project is i just don't know what form it will take at the end that's what it yeah, is Yeah, exactly and i don't think you have to worry about that now as well uh, because the form will like by talking to me by talking to other friends talking to other creatives the form will will show itself to you i i think sometimes it it comes from strange places. It doesn't come directly from where you think it'll be. By kind of restricting yourself and saying, oh, maybe this is going to be, you know, a lovely coffee table book, but I'm also going to do a website where they play some of the interviews. But actually, you don't need to do any of that right now. All you need to do is keep making the work, keep making this body of work that 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 has meaning to you and... Once you've got to that stage where you're, you know, you're, you're picking, you're picking the good stuff along the way. Remember that, right? So you're picking out the good stuff without, so you don't have to do a massive edit at the end. You're just constantly just drip feeding the good stuff into a set on your Lightroom or whatever you use. And you drip it into that every time you shoot something new. And yeah. then over time, you look back at these photos and you go, wow, man, you know, they, they, they mean something. They, they talk about, how I, I related and how I felt about this person. And I don't think there's any greater thing, really. I think uh, that's the wonderful thing about photography, I think, is that you're, you're pausing time for a brief, brief, brief second and it's allowing you to, 
to really examine that person. Like like how we don't do it. Like we don't, you see portraits on Instagram and you don't, can't really look at it, can you? You can't really tell. No, I, like, think it, I think it loses context. The second you start sharing work like that, you can't really view it in the context of everything else. You And I think this is the case for most art forms that a collection of work can be viewed in context. Whereas if you just share stuff on social media like Instagram or SoundCloud and you're just doing individual songs or, or whatever it is, I, I feel like you, you can't get that and the work becomes boring. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is this is probably a really good place to to have the conversation about single pieces of work versus a collection of work. I still quite like single pieces of work. I don't believe work has to be part of a a project I, I think a work a piece of work can stand on its own this is very very true in in like the in, in the art world where people have sculptures and and paintings that are almost exclusively uh, displayed on their own unless you're at an exhibition or something you always see just a just a standalone piece of work and I, I think there is merit to that as well I think there's merit to both um, I don't know if you've got any particular thoughts about standalone work <laughs> I, I I don't think I guess I don't, I think they kind of one feeds the other like so so when you're doing a project and you're you're looking through and you're trying to edit and and pick the work that the strongest people always talk about you know the weakest link the weakest link in the book you know which is the weakest image and I'm <laughs> I beat myself up constantly looking for this like this weak this weak image what's the weak one ah where's the weak and it's not you i i it's the wrong way of thinking completely you're playing I, battle I, royal with your work right yes yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um there's an italian photographer which i forget his name now i have to apologize but he's really passionate that the single image is the most important thing because you can you know you can put a story into a single image right uh, and he's like he's very adamant he's very fiery and he, this is the most important thing, you know. I, I'm sorry, bad Italian accent. Apologies to all my Italian the fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think they both they don't. It's not an either or. They they both kind of allowed to live alongside each other. Um, Absolutely. I mean, there's 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 uh, there's photographers like Tyler Shields who I know he's got books, but a lot of his work is standalone, and mm-hmm. it's fucking incredible. Matt Stewart talks about it as well, you know. He he says all his images are just the only thing that links them is the place, basically. And he, he you know, he's a street a real great. I love Matt's work; very smart, humorous, clever street photographer. Uh, I think one of the one of the best ones out there. Did he Don't used to tell. be a skater? I th- I think he might have. I think he might have. There's there's a bit of a link between skaters and photography, isn't there? Yeah, like I used to a, skate too. I used to skate yeah, too. I I used to skate really badly. Maybe I used to oh, sit yeah, on my skate. Yeah. I used to sit on my skateboard and go down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been toying with the idea of buying a skateboard. No, Daniel, oh, too yeah. old. <laughs> I just like the idea of being able to go out with my nephews. It's just a really funny excuse to just make an ass of myself. Not that no, no, I don't do that don't, anyway. My daughter wants a skateboard, but I think it's because she likes talking to the skater boys in the park, right. which is really disconcerting for me at the moment. I said, Rosa, come away from those boys. <laughs> <laughs> but she likes the skater boys, which is really a bad sign. That is that is a very bad sign. <laughs> what that am I going to do? What am I going to do? Help. Just lock her in, Paul. Lock her in. <laughs> lock her in. No phone, no devices. That's it. 
strict daddy. <laughs> I can't imagine you being the strict <laughs> parent. No. Uh, fortunately not. I, I, and I'm going to pay for it, I think, in the teenage years. <laughs> it's burning off some bad karma, that's what it is. Boom. <laughs> I, I feel like we've probably covered our uh, conversation today about whether or not projects are important. Have you got any closing words on this? I, I feel like I've said everything that I can think of about projects and I feel like I've learned a hell of a lot as well. Yeah, me, I think me too. I think what final thoughts, I think do what you love, do what you love repeatedly. Don't be too hard on yourself at the beginning that the, the idea isn't kind of formed and fully, fully ready to go. That, that thing is going to evolve over the course of time of the project that you're doing and you'll finish when you know inside you that you can't be bothered to go out and shoot it anymore. I think that's a real, when you're like, oh my God, I can't go and bother to walk that trail one more time because I, I, I don't feel that way yet. You know, I, I think it's still, I'm still, it's like, so I've walked this, this path, right? Honestly now, about maybe 150, 200 times. And there's one bit, which, which is the start of the trail. And I've walked it loads of times. And every time I go, I got an amazing photo yesterday. I'll show it to you. And somebody's basically taught the landscape and it's completely changed it. And that's the amazing thing, right? It's like, it's not, it's constantly changing. So your photographs change over the course of the project. So again, I suppose it's... So it's when it stops becoming interesting to you, you need to stop. Yeah, yeah, I think that's when that's a really, interest. when it's boring, when you don't, you don't find it, you don't want to get out of bed anymore and you want to just eat lots of Cheerios and waffles. Um, it, it's a good it's a good time to stop you i can tell you're a cheerio and waffle kind of guy dan <laughs> only if they're together never alone <laughs> with some marmite yum <laughs> i think that's a beautiful place to end that probably I, I know i've definitely taken a lot from that and as i'm starting to try and work on some more longer form projects that i found that really really interesting and uh, i'll definitely be implementing quite a lot of that stuff so now's the point in the show where we like to do some shout outs Sometimes it's for people that aren't so well known. Sometimes it's for people that are already very successful. Paul, do you want to go first this week? Yes, I will. So I'm going to go with um, a book by a young, I don't think he's that young anymore, but he won't mind me calling him young. I'm sure he'll like it. It's called uh, On Photographs by David Campany. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I think David is a writer. He does a lot of intros for lots of photographers. And it's a wonderful thing. He just lists... Lots of different photographers through history, and he writes a little interesting piece on each one. I think you would like it. I think it's enjoyable. I think it's informative. David Campany, I love you. That's a good pick. That's a strong pick. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've not seen that book before, so I'm going to keep an eye out for that one. My shout-out this week is Jason Devan Little. He's a New York City photographer. He's currently working on a long-form project covering uh protesters there's a lot of people that cover protesters kind of the, the really angry boiling over protests that are kind of turning into riots and i think what jason does that's really interesting is he captures the protesters sort of keeping a lid on their anger and and demonstrating peacefully but you can still see all the subtleties in their emotions mm, i'm gonna check that out dan sounds good sounds yeah, good yeah you really should that there's um there's a piece of work that really stands out let me try and explain what this is. Just after the the, the brutal murder of, of George Floyd in Minneapolis by a police mm -hmm. officer, just after that went public, I think it was about a week or so afterwards, Jason posted a really powerful black and white candid portrait uh, of a 
of a gentleman, of a, of a black gentleman, who looks like he's close to tears, and he's holding a rose and a very small cardboard sign that says, am I next? And before that, Jason had been posting up lots of photos of, it was just New York street photography. It was really good, good New York street photography, but it, it kind of had a similar feeling to a lot of the stuff, the late 2010s. From the point of the Black Lives Matter protests, he started posting up work that was much more powerful as a white man living in in Kent, Southeast UK. It's like one of the whitest places in the Western world. I, I could never fully understand that man's sadness in that image. After seeing that eight minutes and 46 seconds worth of horrible video of, of George Floyd being brutally murdered, I felt like having seen that image, I could at least empathize while I can't understand. I could at least empathize. And I think that's really impressive if you can do that in sort of one photograph. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's definitely an amazing skill. Um, and I think, I think, I think our job as white, you know, photographers is to amplify those voices as much as we can as well. I think it's really important. Um, yeah, I, I definitely. Think we, you know, this isn't a Minneapolis problem. This is like a problem with the Western yeah, world. Yeah, sure. Our, our our world is screwed up, and I think. Uh, you know, as much as we can, everybody's got to just reach out and try and be a bit kinder. You know, that's 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 kind of my message to everybody: is like, just be a bit kinder. You know, absolutely. Jason's definitely doing more than his fair share to improve the world, sort of one fraction of a second at a time. I guess that's the message we'll leave you guys with this week: is uh, be kind, stay kind, people. Yeah, stay kind. Okay, we'll catch you next week. I hope everyone. Hey. Oh, God, I don't know where I'm going with this. I hope everyone has babies. And if you can't have a baby, maybe you could eat chocolate. Or if you can't eat chocolate, you could watch a film. I could go on. (laughs) I could go on. Anyway, I love you all. We love you all. Don't we, Daniel? We do. We do. Thank you very much for listening to us ramble on for for another (laughs) week. We'll catch you here again same time next week. Same bat channel, same bat time. Same bat time. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.